one of the reasons I'm excited about this week's message is it gives us a look at one of these really short, kind of really fast scenes in the book of Mark that when you just look at it on the surface, it's, it's a pretty cool story. But when we slow down and really look at it, there's a richness, there's a depth to it, there's, there's foreshadowing, there's symbolism that we might miss when we just casually read it. So I want to start by reading the whole passage that we're going to cover today. If you want to follow along with me, we're in Mark chapter 1, verses 40 through 45. We're just going to read the whole thing and then we'll go back and break it down. It says, a man with leprosy came and knelt in front of Jesus begging to be healed. If you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean, he said. Moved with compassion, Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing, he said, be healed. Instantly, the leprosy disappeared and the man was healed. Then Jesus sent him on his way with a stern warning, don't tell anyone about this. Instead, go to the priest and let him examine you. Take along the offering required in the law of Moses for those who have been healed of leprosy. This will be a public testimony that you have been cleansed. But the man went and spread the word, proclaiming to everyone what had happened. As a result, large crowds soon surrounded Jesus, and he couldn't publicly enter a town anywhere. He had to stay out in the secluded places, but people from everywhere kept coming to him. Now, we've titled today's message, The Great Physician. That's Jesus. He's not a great physician. He's the great physician. Because Jesus is the only one who can heal us from sin and death. Jesus doesn't just bring emotional healing, relational healing, and as in this story, physical healing. He does all of that. But Jesus heals us from something that nobody else can heal us from our bondage to sin and death. See, Jesus made the blind see when he was here on earth. He made the deaf hear. He made the lame walk. And as we're going to see today, he made the lepers clean. But all of that pales in comparison to the victory that he gave you and me over sin and death. So here's where we're headed today. We're going to look at an infection, the cure, and the prescription. And let's go ahead and kick it off with the infection. So leprosy, whoops, I went too far. Here we go. Leprosy is analogous to sin. It is an incurable infection that affects every part of our lives, physical, mental, emotional, relational, and spiritual. Leprosy was and is a brutal disease. Now, we don't really have leprosy in the United States, but there are still half a million cases of leprosy annually worldwide. Uh, Today, there is a cure for leprosy. You can take a multi-drug treatment, and over 6 to 12 months, you can actually become cured from leprosy. But in the time of Christ, there was no cure. And it's a long-term infection that's caused by bacteria. It tended to start with either the eyes or the nose, the extremities of the skin. And what would happen is it would begin by desensitizing the nerves. So you would no longer have feeling in your extremities, and so you would get a cut or you would get a burn, and you wouldn't even know you had it. And then that would get infected, and that would lead to even more infection throughout your body. And as you can imagine, in the time of Jesus, things weren't quite as sanitary as they are nowadays. So so not knowing you had a cut, not knowing you had a burn was even more dangerous. 
And then this infection would spread throughout the body until eventually it affected the whole person. So you can see how that's similar to sin. Right? Without the conviction of the Holy Spirit, you and I become desensitized to sin. We have wounds that we don't even know are there. And that infection starts to creep into the way that we think and the way that we talk and the way that we act. And sometimes we're not even aware of how bad the infection really is. And sin brings death, just like leprosy did. Emotional death, relational death, spiritual death, sometimes even physical death. And sin separates us from a holy God, just like leprosy would separate someone from all of their community. We need a cure for our sin. And as we get into the story, I want you to take a moment, and I want you to think about a time when you felt invisible. Or maybe even worse, you felt like everybody knew you were there, but nobody cared. Nobody would engage with you. Maybe it was your first day at a new school. Maybe your first day on a new job. Maybe it was the first time you stepped into a church. We work really hard at Alpine so that hopefully you don't feel that way the first time that you walk in here, but I'm sure that still happens. I don't think I've ever shared this story at this campus, but I know the time that I felt more like an outcast than any other time in my life. My wife, Rhonda, and I had been dating for about a year, and her best friend from college, whose name is Mill, was getting married, and Rhonda asked if I would go down to the wedding. And this wedding was down in Arizona. My, my wife's friend, Mill, was a member of the Navajo tribe. The wedding was on the Navajo Nation. And so we were down there staying at Mill's house. And the night before the wedding, they had this big mutton cookout in the backyard. And all of the women were inside the house, and all of the men were outside. And I didn't know a single person there. And so I'm outside in the backyard, and, and I'm the only white guy there. And all the men are speaking Navajo, and I have no clue what's going on. And after a few minutes, one of them comes up and touches me on the shoulder, and he says in English, it's a good thing we're all civilized or you'd be scalped by now. <laughs> now, he was just joking, and eventually it was funny, but for a couple of minutes, I never felt more out of place in my whole life. I don't know when you felt most out of place. I don't know when you felt invisible. And no matter what was going on around you, though, I want you to know this, that there is a God who not only sees you, He knows the very number of the hairs on your head. He knows all your hopes. He knows all your fears. He knows all your successes, all your failures. And He sees you. And He desires a relationship with you. So let's go ahead and jump into the story. We're going to pick it up in verse 40 of Mark chapter 1. It says, A man with leprosy came and knelt in front of Jesus begging to be healed. If you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean, he said. Now, this leper didn't just feel like an outcast. He truly was an outcast. He didn't have any close interaction with anyone in his community. And we read in Leviticus chapter 13 what it would have been like for someone who was leprous. So it says, The leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes and let the hair of his head hang loose. And he shall cover his upper lip and cry out, Unclean, unclean. He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone. 
His dwelling shall be outside the camp. As a leper, you had to make it obvious to everyone around you that you were a leper. And this picture of wearing torn clothes and having hair that hangs loose, that's what you did when you were mourning for the dead in that culture. So as a leper, you were literally a symbol of a dead man walking. It was a constant state of mourning. And that's how you had to act all the time. Now, we just read the rules that Moses put down. By the time Jesus comes on the scene, many of the rabbis had made things even more brutal for someone who had leprosy. In fact, some rabbis would brag that if they were on the street that a leper was on, they wouldn't buy food anywhere on that street just because a leper was on the street. Some rabbis talked about how they would carry rocks with them. And if they saw a leper approaching, they would throw rocks at the leper to make sure he didn't get too close to them. It would have been brutal. And there's also a spiritual stigma of having leprosy. Because most Jews in the culture thought that if you had leprosy, God was punishing you for something that you have done. So in a sense, they thought that you deserved what you were getting. You were not only despised because of your physical condition, but it was assumed that you had done something horrible against the Lord. You were unable to worship God in the temple. Now, as New Testament believers, we know that we are the temple of God. Right? Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6 that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, whom you have from God. But at this time, the place that God chose to dwell among his people was in the temple. And as a leper, you couldn't worship him there. So you were cut off from those around you. You were cut off from God in a sense because you couldn't go to the temple. And I can only imagine all of the emotions this leper is experiencing as he approaches Jesus. I'm sure he's dealing with anger, frustration, despair, loneliness, confusion, desperation, grief. And as he's making his way to Jesus, he has to shout out, unclean, unclean. And so the crowd gathered around Jesus would slowly start to divide and part because they didn't want to be too close to this leper who was approaching. And then he comes and he kneels before Jesus. And he says, if you are willing, you can make me clean. He kneels before Jesus. See, he recognizes Jesus' power and authority. So he, he kneels to him. He submits to him. We don't know what he's seen about Jesus up to this point, but either the things he's heard or the, the things that he's seen in the periphery, he knows who Jesus is. He knows Jesus has the power to heal him. He says, if you are willing, you can make me clean. He didn't doubt Jesus' power. He doubted Jesus' compassion. He knew Jesus had the ability to heal him. He wasn't sure if Jesus had the desire to heal him. So he comes before Jesus and kneels and says, if you are willing, you can make me clean. See, whatever he knew about Jesus caused him to believe that Jesus was the Messiah. Because in that culture, everyone knew only God could heal a leper. Remember, leprosy is analogous to sin. So for you and I, that the same is true. Only God can heal our sin problem. Only God can make us clean. The, the leper knew that he just didn't just need healing, he needed cleansing. Right? He said, if you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean. 
The leper needed cleansing. When you and I come to Jesus for the forgiveness of our sins, we have to believe that Jesus has the power and the authority to bring us the healing and cleansing that we need. We have to believe that the cross is sufficient. We have to believe that it's by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, that you and I can be cleansed. And can't you just hear the different reactions in the crowd? As this leper is approaching, I'm sure some scream, get out of here. The teacher has no time for you. And others weren't so bold, so they just whispered to one another, I can't believe he'd show up here. How disgusting. I can't believe he would come and want to talk to the teacher. But the leper didn't let any of those reactions faze him. There was only one reaction he cared about, and that was the reaction of Jesus. See, maybe some of you here today, like the leper, have come to recognize your great need for healing and cleansing from sin. But maybe you have people in your life that aren't supportive. Maybe they're whispering things. Maybe you know they're not going to be excited if you follow Jesus. And so you're worried about what they'll think or what they'll say. Well, I would just gently remind you that none of them can heal you. Only Jesus can heal you. So his reaction is the only one that really matters. And we're going to see his reaction as we get to our next point, And that is the cure. Only the great physician could heal this disease. Only Jesus can take away our sin. He's not just powerful enough to heal. He's also willing. And so we see this in verses 41 and 42. It says, Move with compassion. Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing, he said. Be healed. And instantly the leprosy disappeared and the man was healed. It says, moved with compassion, Jesus reached out and healed him. You know, when you and I come into contact with someone who has a terminal disease, we normally have compassion. We feel for them. That was not the case in this culture with leprosy. Again, everyone assumed that this man had done something to deserve what he was going through. He had never experienced compassion. He'd experienced disgust. In fact, in Luke's gospel, it says that this man was full of leprosy. That means it was likely in the advanced stages of the disease. He had had it a long time. There's a good chance that he was missing fingers. He could have been missing toes. Often a leper's nose would literally rot off. Their gums would recede and all their teeth would fall out. So he probably looked pretty ghastly. And because he was in the advanced stages of the disease, he had suffered from this for a long time. And in spite of that, Jesus reaches out and touches him. For the first time in who knows how long, someone reaches towards him instead of recoiling from him. I can only imagine what that must have felt like for the leper. To feel the touch of his Savior. See, that's a pattern that we see in many of Jesus' healings. Jesus often touched those that he healed. Think about last week, we, we talked about how he healed Simon's mother-in-law. He didn't have to touch her. He, he's God in the flesh. He could have just said, be healed. He could have just fought it, and she would have been healed. But no, he went in, and he touched her. Jesus wanted people to know about his compassion. He wanted them to feel his touch. He wanted them to feel the love that he has for them. And I think he also wanted to touch the leper because he wanted everybody to know that something new was happening. That this was going to be unprecedented. This had never happened before. 
And in that moment when Jesus reached out to touch the leper, I bet you could feel the tension. I bet everybody collectively held their breath. Because up to that point, anytime someone who was clean, like Jesus would have been, touched someone who was unclean, that person became unclean. So under Jewish law, if, if I was clean but I touched something that was unclean, now I'm unclean and I have to go through this elaborate ceremony to become clean again. But when this man's uncleanness comes into contact with the perfection of Jesus, the holiness of Jesus, the deity of Jesus, all that gets turned on his head. And instead of Jesus becoming unclean, this man becomes clean. Jesus wanted everybody to know that something new is happening here. And I would imagine many in the audience were appalled when Jesus first touched the leper. I bet they couldn't believe that he did that. You know, Jesus was often criticized for touching the untouchable, for hanging out with sinners and prostitutes. Right? Jesus talks about it in Mark 2, verse 17. The Pharisees have been criticizing him, and it says, when Jesus heard this, he told them, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. In the context of this passage, Jesus is at a party at Matthew's house. It says that there are a lot of tax collectors and sinners there, and the Pharisees are giving him grief about it. And the great physician says, you guys don't get it. It's not the healthy that need a doctor. It's the sick. I didn't come to heal those who think they are righteous. I came to heal those who know they are sick. And remember, this leper's cleansing has a, a deep symbolism that goes far beyond just the physical healing that he experienced. It goes to the spiritual cleansing that he received. See, you and I follow the same steps the leper did when we come to faith. The first thing the leper had to do is he had to recognize he was sick. Imagine if the leper was delusional and thought he could heal himself on his own. Right? If I just try harder... If, if I just work hard to stay cleaner, if I just use more herbal remedies, he would have died in his condition. In the same way, you and I have to come to the point where we realize we cannot fix our sin problem. We need the healing that only the great physician can bring. And so we recognize our sickness and then we come and then we kneel before Jesus. We recognize that he has the authority, he has the power to bring cleansing and to bring healing, and we submit to his lordship. We say, Jesus, you get to call the shots now. What you say goes. See, that's how we come to this saving faith. And then as our sin and our shame collides with his holiness and his perfection, something amazing happens. We become clothed in his righteousness. And he takes that guilt and that shame and he nails it to the cross. If you have questions about that, if you want to talk more about that, we have people all around this campus who would love to have that conversation with you. We'll have leaders up front. You can dig into lessons four, five, and six in the pursuit. It'll really get into the details of all that, and we'd love to help you go through that. So this leper has come to Jesus. He's received this healing, and you'd think it's kind of like the end of the story, and everybody lived happily ever after, right? But there's, there's a little more to it, and that's going to take us to our last point, and that's the prescription. Jesus doesn't just want to heal people. He wants to restore them as well. This man is being prescribed the way back into his community to share his testimony. 
See, Jesus wasn't content on just bringing physical healing. Jesus wanted to bring full restoration. He wanted this man to be able to be restored back into community with his fellow Israelites. He wanted this man to be declared clean by the priest. So Jesus shows him how to do that, and the instructions that we see are next in verses 43 and 44. It says, Then Jesus sent him on his way with a stern warning. Don't tell anyone about this. Instead, go to the priest and let him examine you. Take along the offering required in the law of Moses for those who have been healed of leprosy. This will be a public testimony that you have been cleansed. Jesus starts out by telling this guy, don't go tell anyone what happened. And as you read that, you might be going, wait, what? Like, why wouldn't Jesus want everybody to know what he just did? Well, word was going to travel fast enough. Jesus didn't want to accelerate the timeline. Jesus had complete confidence in God the Father's timing and in God the Father's plan. See, Jesus knew that his word about him spread, so would opposition to what he was doing. And he didn't want that to come to a climax until its appointed time. If you think back last week after he had done the healing in Capernaum, he told the disciples, hey, look, I've got to go into other towns throughout the region of Galilee and preach the gospel. That's why I came. Jesus knew if the opposition to him got ramped up too early, it would be difficult for him to go and do that. So we've actually already seen in Mark Jesus tells someone not to go and tell everybody what he's done. And you're going to see that again as we continue to go through the gospel. Instead, Jesus tells him to go to the priest. And he was supposed to take along all of the elements of the offering that were required by Moses when someone had been cleansed of leprosy. And if you want to really dig deep and go into that, you can find that list in Leviticus chapter 14. It'll show you all the things that this guy was supposed to bring to the priest. So it included birds and lambs and oil and and other offerings. We're not going to go through all of it today, but take a look at that when you have some time. And then there would be this very elaborate ritual that the priest would do to pronounce that this guy was clean. And what's really cool about that ritual as you look at it is there is a ton of foreshadowing to what Jesus would do on the cross for us. This is going to accomplish a couple of things. First, it's what the law commanded. You know, Jesus told everyone, he said, look, I didn't come to abolish the law. I came to fulfill the law. So at this time, it's what the law required. But the other reason Jesus did it is he wanted this man to be able to be restored to community with his fellow Israelites. And only the priest could officially declare him clean. So he'd be able to go back to everyone and say, look, the priest has declared me clean. It would have ensured that his community would accept him back into relationship. And then third, this would be a testimony to the priests who were performing the ritual that something miraculous had occurred. These priests likely had never seen anyone healed of leprosy. They'd never done it before. In fact, when he brought the stuff for the offering, they probably had to look it up. (laughs) Like, what is this ceremony again that we have to do when someone's healed from leprosy? Because we've never done it. So they would know that the Messiah was present. Jesus gave the man very straightforward, very clear instructions. Now think about it. Jesus just literally saved this man's life. Just healed him from this debilitating disease. So you'd think he would be obedient, right? I mean, if you and I went to the doctor and we had a terminal illness and he healed us, but he said, look, you've got to do X, Y, and Z when you leave here, I think we try to be obedient. That's not what happens in this situation. Here's what the man goes out and does, verse 45. 
Instead of going to the priest, it says, but the man went and spread the word, proclaiming to everyone what had happened. As a result, large crowds soon surrounded Jesus, and he couldn't publicly enter a town anywhere. He had to stay out in the secluded places, but people from everywhere kept coming to him. And here's the thing, I'll bet the guy thought he was doing the right thing. I'll bet the guy felt like he was helping Jesus. Guys, we have to remember that our perspective is so narrow. God's perspective is the full perspective. God knows the whole story. We have to trust God's perspective. Because when we break God's commands, there are consequences. Now look, because he was disobedient, this didn't make the man have leprosy again. He was still cleansed. Just like when you and I put our faith in Jesus Christ, he forgives us of all our sin, past, present, and future. But when we disobey him, there are consequences. Consequences to ourselves, consequences to those around us. It can be a hindrance to building the kingdom. See, his actions hindered Jesus' ministry. Jesus was no longer able to go into the towns. He had to stay on the outskirts. He had to stay in the secluded places. In the same way, when you and I as believers don't submit to Jesus' authority in our lives, it hurts the ministry. It hurts the building of the kingdom. It hinders the gospel. And we need to remember that God's commands always have a purpose. God's not just this cosmic killjoy who likes to tell us no. There's a reason for the boundaries that he gives us. And we're a better witness to the world when we follow Jesus well after we come to salvation. We're not going to be perfect. We're still going to make mistakes. We're still going to sin. But there should be an overall pattern of submission to the authority of Jesus in our lives when we put our faith in him. And there are going to be times that you're going to try and justify going against God's commands because of the way you feel. That's what this guy did. He felt excited. He felt grateful. He felt freedom. He felt like he was helping, but in reality, he was making things worse. See, we can't trust our feelings. I know that's what the world tells you to do, just follow your heart. But the Bible says the heart above all else is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? What we can trust is God. What we can trust are His commands. And this is is real world, practical stuff that you and I deal with all the time. Just last week, I had a regular attender at our Logan campus come up to me after the service and ask for prayer. She's a believer. She's put her faith in Jesus. And she said, John, will you just pray with me for wisdom? Because I'm dating this guy, and and we're getting really serious. We've been dating for six months now, and we're talking marriage, and I need to pray for wisdom if I should marry this guy. And I said, I'll pray with you. But as gently as I could, I said, but I'm not going to pray for wisdom. I'm going to pray that God would give you the strength to be obedient. Because God has already laid out in his word what his wisdom is in this area. God's already laid out in his word that you would be unequally yoked if you marry this guy. And then she got emotional and she started crying. And I had compassion on her. You probably don't think I have a lot of compassion. I do sometimes. (laughs) And so I got teary-eyed and I said, look, I know it's hard. She said, but you don't understand. This guy makes me feel treasured. I've never felt treasured before. And I said, I understand that. 
But you need to know you have been treasured long before this guy. That Jesus treasured you so much that he came down and he went to the cross for you. And a God that loves you that much is a God you can trust in these situations. And so I prayed with her. I prayed that she would know that God is sufficient, even if it means losing this relationship or even if it means putting this on hold. And she left. And I, I don't know what she'll do. Just like when the man left, nobody knew for sure what he would do. Would he go to the priest like Jesus commanded? Would he use this to be a public testimony to the work of Jesus? Or would he follow his feelings? I, I don't know what she'll do. We'll see. Please pray for her. And maybe not that exact situation, but I'm sure some of you can relate. I'm sure some of you have experienced the healing and the cleansing of Jesus Christ. You've put your faith in him, and now he's asking you to do something, and it doesn't feel right. You feel like you should go the other way. I would just encourage you that the God who loves you enough to reach out and touch you when you were unclean like the leper is a God that you can trust to have authority in your life. So my prayer for you and my prayer for me this week is you would let him call the shots and see what he does and see how he's honored and see how his kingdom grows. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this morning. Jesus, I just want to say thank you that you're compassionate because honestly, all your power and, and all your authority wouldn't be that comforting if you weren't compassionate. So thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your great love for us. Thank you that, that you still touch the unclean. That you still reach out to us. That you're not a God who just sits off in the corner of the universe somewhere, kind of aloof. You're a God who engages with your creation. You're a God who meets us where we are. And so I just want to lift up anyone here today who has never begun that relationship with you, God. Maybe they feel invisible right now. Would you just put on their heart that you see them and you love them? And would you draw them to yourself? We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.